morning. Welcome to Mariner's Church. Thank you guys for being a part of today. My name is Paul, and I'm one of the pastors here. And um, I am standing right here by a whole bunch of white flowers. Um, these all... If you don't know, these symbolize every time someone makes a decision for Christ for the first time for Jesus and says, I want my life to be tied up with him, um, we put this out here. And this is symbolic of day camp. Um, all the children that made decisions for Christ at day camp, 68, 68 of them. So um, that's a really wonderful thing. So yeah, really, 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 really cool. And we have, I believe, 35 people right now in transit to Mexico. Um, they're going to be working with uh, an orphanage down there and also... Some of the people, they call them in the canyons. The canyons are actually kind of the canyons in between the trash piles. Um, so they're going to be working there, um, helping with food and just experiencing what it's like to have hearts that are open more towards serving other people. So um, that's, a, that's a wonderful thing as well. A lot of good stuff that's, uh, that's going on here. So thank you. Hey, how many of you like things that are better? How many of you think like things that are better? You don't? Of course you do. You know, everyone likes things that are better. Let's, let's be real on, on this one. I mean, look at the word, look at the word better. It's, it's, it's just better. And, and, and there are things that are just like this, and then there are things that are better. For instance, go ahead. There's this, okay? There's this, and then there's something that's what? It's better. Isn't that better? It's this, and then there's better. There's also this, okay? <laughs> and, then there's, and then there's better, Okay? All right, now here's where we get into trouble. There's this, okay, this, and then there's better, okay? Okay. Now there is, there is this, okay? Now, now, now you, think, you think I'm going to put up a dog here, right? All of you guys are thinking that I'm going to put up a dog. Who do you think I am? I mean, I'm not that kind of a person. Then there's this. It's better, isn't it? Okay, okay. all right, all right, all right. Now there's also there's all <laughs> there's this, and then there is what better there there's see there see see there's this and there's better. <clears throat> Jesus Jesus said this I I have come that they might have life, and have it to the full. That's better. Okay, that's just that's that's better. A full life is better. It's when Jesus comes. He said I want them to have a life. That's better. And he said, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, said, he said, now Jesus said this because all kinds of religious rules had come creeping in to, to the culture of that day. I mean, in Jesus' day, people were up to their neck in religion. There were holy, sacred men. There were holy, sacred rules. There were holy, sacred places, holy, sacred rituals, holy, sacred laws. I mean, all this kind of stuff. Like the Bible says this, for the law was given through Moses. Yep, laws. Laws and rules are there. But there's something that's what? Better. Because then it says grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. I like grace. I like truth. Grace and truth are just better. Um, the other day somebody asked me a, a really, really good question. Um, I was asked, what's better? to be told the wrong things about Jesus or not to be told about Jesus at all? Which one's better? To be told the wrong things about Jesus or not to be told about Jesus at all? Man, I, I had to think about that one, you know? What would you, what would you say? How would you answer that one? I pretty much land on it's better to be not 
be told about Jesus at all. I think that's better. Because if you start believing the wrong things, it's going to shape your life wrongly, okay? It's going to be like you're now involved in this something that's not even close to the truth. It really screws you up. Now, we've talked about the last, you know, this series we're talking about better, and we've talked about better loving and better giving and better serving. And, and I want to finish by talking just simply about better Jesus. And I want you to get who Jesus is, not what religion has told you, um, but what those who saw him and experienced him, what they tell us about him. And let's take a second and pray, can we? Jesus, thank you for your living presence among us and your spirit's reality of that. And guide us, move us, lead us, and give me the right words. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Once Jesus was with his followers, and, and, and his followers were called the disciples, he was with his followers, his committed followers, his disciples, and he stopped and he asked them a question. And the question was this, who do you say that I am? You know, who do you say that I am? Now, man, don't you just not love those kinds of questions? You know, you just not love those things. Remember when you're going out with a girl and she turns and she asks you, are we more than friends, you know? Mm. You know, you got to go, oh, no. You know, where do I go with that one? You know, it's make up your mind time because if you say no, you're dead, you know. If you say yes, then the question is what? How much more than friends are we? You know, and, and then your brain goes into lockdown. And the same thing is going on here. Actually, Jesus' question started th- this way. Who do men say that I am? Who do men say that I am? Who do people say that I am? Now, that's an easy one. That's a softball question. And it's like, I can answer that one. And they do. They say this. Well, well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. You're a religious guy. You know, this is, this is who people say you are, that you are a religious guy, kind of in the same category as Jeremiah or, or Elijah or, or one of the prophets. Um, you're like that. Whew, we got out of that one. We're done with that one. Then Jesus says, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? That's the real question. A long time ago, the New York Times had files on every famous person, every famous person throughout history. And there was a folder, and in that folder was a name and something that indicated um, the name of that person, and there was something that indicated who they were. For instance, John F. Kennedy, they put what? President. Um, they, they had Amelia Earhart, pilot. Ella Fitzgerald, entertainer. But they also had one for Jesus, and it was Jesus Christ, religious martyr. In the file folder of your head, how would you label Jesus? What label would you put on him? Some would say, well, he was the founder of a new religion. He founded Christianity. You know, he's the founder. Some would be he's a great teacher or an enlightened man, the most enlightened man that's ever walked, or an inspiration or a historical figure who became a myth. Or someone whose spirit lives in us all. Or sometimes we say, well, that's easy. I just simply put down the Son of God because that's what I've heard all my life, and it's easy to put that one down. And the Son of God, kind of like, you know, we're all children of God. He was just kind of realized more that he was the Son of God than other, other people. And, and I've been around religion enough to know that religion takes Jesus and dulls him down, you know, kind of just dulls him down, blunts the edge 
off of Jesus. Religion does that. What religion does is it always takes the uncomfortable things and it works around them. It always tries to find loopholes and tries to find ways around things. And I think Jesus makes people pretty uncomfortable. And because he makes people uncomfortable, what religion will do is they'll just simply tone him down a little bit from who he was. But the question keeps hitting us because Jesus asked it. What about you? What about you? Who do you say that I am? Who do you, you say that I am? Now, John was a guy who, who watched and lived with Jesus for three years. John. And he writes about Jesus. In fact, he wrote a book about him, and it's called the book of what? John. There you go. Not that hard. And, and, and in fact, when people say, man, where should I start in the Bible? I always have them say, man, you should just read the book of John. Because if you can get through the first few verses, you're golden because it tells a story of Jesus. But the first few verses start out a little rough, and, and, and we're going to walk through these together. He says this, in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God, and the word was God. And you're going to think, oh, great, I'm into this John thing one verse, and already I'm lost. You know, he's talking about, woo, you know, these things way up here. But let's, let's take a look at it phrase by phrase. He says this, in the beginning. We know what that means, right? I mean, in the beginning means in the beginning, you know, in the beginning of everything, before time, before space, the final frontier, you know, in the beginning, in the beginning, before everything. And it says in the beginning, the word. Now, the word simply means Jesus. It's John's word for that. And why does he use the term word? Well, when I speak a word, words are expressions of me, okay? And follow that. It's an expression of of me. It's coming from me. In a sense, it is me. It reveals me to you. And so John is going to say that Jesus was the word in the sense that he expresses or reveals God to us. But then he says this, the word already existed. Already existed. Okay? Jesus already existed. Meaning even, even in the beginning, before time, he already has always been there. And then he goes on and he says this, the word was with God. Now, if something is up here with me, that means it, it is different than I am, right? If it's with me. But then he goes on to say, but the word was God. And if something is, is me, then it's the same as me. And so all of a sudden you have now, John says that Jesus is different than God, but Jesus is also the same as God. And there you have this whole concept of God as a triunity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And if you're saying, man, I'm getting a little confused about this one, well, no wonder, no doubt. We're talking about the very nature and essence of God. It should become, an, and here's the word, incomprehensible, meaning it just my brain can't, can't grasp it. But he's using language to say, here you have Jesus. In the beginning was the word, the expression of God who is with God, different than but was God the same as God? This is the Jesus that he has, with and was. I can't think of a better way to explain it. Seen that State Farm commercial? It was on a couple years ago. Um, you may be covered for this, but not for that. Remember that one? You know, you may be covered for this, not for that. And there was one that had the snowballs and had these kids having a snowball fight. And, and all of a sudden, there's a car there in the snow, and, and little snowballs are hitting the snowball. And so you may be covered for this. And then this massive snowball, this thing that says, <laughs> boom, and just flattens the car. It says, you may be covered for this, but not what? Not for that. And what John has just done is he's just simply taken this huge, massive thing and just dumped it on us. Because he's going to say, look, out of the gate, you need to understand 
this person I'm going to write about was before there was time, Jesus was. And he was with God, and he was God. This is who he is. This is not an enlightened man, or not the man we aspire to be, or a great teacher. Remember the question, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Jesus is God, is what he's saying. Jesus is God. Look, start at the beginning. Jesus is God, and this is what I'm going to explain to you. Now, in John chapter 2, John's going to toss in in a party to this mix, okay? Um, And it's a wedding party. John 2, there's a wedding, and Jesus is invited. And Jewish weddings are big deals. Have you ever been to a Jewish wedding? Have you been to a a Jewish wedding reception? Um, Those would be the big deals. I once did a wedding, and and the guy wanted some Jewish elements in it. And I asked him why. And he said, well, because I think I'm part Jewish. And I said, okay. But they wanted to do it on a pumpkin festival weekend in San Mateo, okay? And I live in Half Moon Bay, and I'm thinking, why? You know, why, why, why? You know, you want to do this? And it took me two hours to get there, and I'm muttering the whole time, you know. And I'm thinking to myself, if these people ever get a divorce, I'm going to hunt them down. I am going to hunt them down. For this one, and anyway, anyway, they did the, the whoop, they did the Jewish thing where they where they where they at the end of the wedding, you know, they they wrap they wrap a wine glass in in a napkin or a cloth, and then after you know you pronounce them husband and wife, they what? They stomp it, they stomp it, and I said, why do you guys do that? And they said, we don't know, we just don't know. I just said, okay, fine. So you know, I said, I now pronounce you husband and wife. You may stomp the glass. You know, that's what do you say on, on that one? Well, Jewish weddings. Back then were really big things. I mean, particularly in small towns, everyone would come out for it. It was a big, big deal. And they'd be week-long celebrations, you know, and, and, and um, there'd be food and drink and cake and broken wine glasses and filled wine glasses. And, oh, well, the problem with this one, and you know the story, they ran out of wine, okay? They miscalculated, and, and, and this is where Jesus turns the water what? Into wine. You know, this is a story. Jesus turns a famous story. He turns the water into wine. And, and, and so, what's the point of the story? Well, the point of the story is, if you're having a party, what? Invite Jesus, you know, <laughs> invite Jesus. You're never going to run out of drink. Okay, but here it is. And this is what John says. Now, this is, this is great. This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory. And that's a cool word, glory. It's a word that's reserved for God. God alone has glory. And what he's saying is, Jesus has power over nature. Only God has power over nature. So he's saying, this is where he's now revealing who he is as God. John's point throughout is, this is who Jesus is. Now what are you going to do about it? In fact, that's the whole purpose of the book of John. This is who Jesus is now. What are you going to do about it? And then it moves to another picture of Jesus, and this is kind of one of the other more famous things. It's the clearing of the temple, okay? It's the clearing out of the temple when Jesus went in and he cleaned out the temple. And, and, and there's a place where they're supposed to worship God. It's filled with money changers and people selling animals. It's like a big swap meet. If you've ever been to a swap meet, you know, that's what was going on inside the temple walls. And, 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 and this is what religion does. 
religion becomes a racket after a while. Given enough time, religion becomes a racket. That's what happens. It just becomes a money-making thing, and it just kind of begins to exist for its own self. This is what was going on here. So if you wanted to go in and pay the temple tax, which you're required to do every year, pay the temple tax, they made it so you had to use a special kind of coin, okay, a very special kind of coin. Well, you don't, and no one has that kind of coin. The only place you can get that coin is where? In the temple. And in order to get the temple tax coin, you had to pay a lot of money for it. Like if you want to pay a $10 temple tax coin, you have to give them 25 bucks. okay? They just simply jacked up the prices because, after all, it's a special coin. And you're supposed to now sacrifice animals, bring animals for sacrifice. You can bring your own, <clears throat> but it has to be cleared by the priest. And nine times out of ten, your animal isn't good enough. Of course, you can buy one right here, and we have a special deal. You know, even though it's going to cost you a whole lot of money, you can get one right here. Do you see what they're doing here? See what religion kind of does? Well, it kind of stuff. It just plays games with, with people. And Jesus shows up, and all of a sudden, there's all this craziness going on. It says this, Jesus made a whip from some ropes and chased them all out of the temple. He drove out the sheep and the cattle. He scattered the money changers' coins over the floor and turned over their tables. Then going <clears throat> to the people who sold doves, he told them, get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. The whole place has just gone crazy nuts. And I just love the imagery, you know, crazy things going on. The money changers leave and the animals guys leave. And, and, and you think, whoa, I like that stuff. And I do. I mean, I really love that kind of stuff. And you're getting back to the reality of faith and love of God, that it's not just simply playing games. And, and, you know, the priests are kind of uh, freaking out <clears throat> because there's no animals <clears throat> and there's no one to exchange the coins. And so what you have to do is basically they have to put up little signs that say the temple is temporarily closed down for repairs, you know, or, you know, back in two hours, you know, those kinds of things. It was shut down because there's nothing that, that they could do, you know, pardon our mess. And if you came, let's say you came, you've traveled a long way now to get there because you have to do your thing, you know, you have to pay your tax, and you want to sacrifice your animals. Guess what? You can't. It's shut down. And you're still standing. What do you do now? You can't do your temple stuff. And remember the wine, water into wine thing? Remember what kind of water Jesus turned into wine? It's so cool. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews, for ceremonial washing. And they needed that water for their religious duties of washing hands. What did Jesus do? He made it so he couldn't use those anymore. You know, those are now not usable. And it's like saying, I, I, I can't wash my hands religiously anymore. And I can't go to the temple religiously anymore. <clears throat> and these are all the religious routine things to do. In the book of John chapter 2, it says this. Jewish leaders demanded, what are you doing? What are you doing? Well, we know what he was doing. You know, we know what he was doing. He's messing up the whole thing. Because Jesus came to ruin religion. He came to wreck this religious stuff that we play around with. What's religion? You know, somebody asked my question, well, what do you think religion is? And I think what religion is is us trying to get to God. It's us using our own ways to try and get to God. It's man trying to figure out how to get there. And I think if I'm good enough, if I do this, if I do that, I can get to God. You know, if I do this good work and that good work and this good work and that good and go to church enough, 
or say these words or say these phrases or read the Bible a whole bunch of times or go to all these different services or have myself go through this experience, maybe then God will look down at me and say, okay, you've done enough. You've tried to get to me hard enough. I'm going to let you get in. I'm going to let you get in here. That's what religion is, is us trying to get to God. The problem is with that is what? You never know. So if I could ask the question, okay, you've tried hard to get to God. Have you tried hard enough? Every single one of us in this room would say, no, no, no way. I've not tried hard enough. You know, love God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Have you done that with everything you've got? No. Okay. You know, well, right now you're starting from a deficit, from a hole. We can't do it. In fact, question I ask sometimes people talking to me about God, I say, you, you, know, you know, if you were to stand before God and he were to ask you, why should I let you into heaven, what would you say? And the answer almost invariably is always, well, I've lived a good life, you know. I've tried really hard, you know. I've had my problems, but, you know, overall I've been a pretty good person. You hear, you hear what word are you saying hearing, the pronoun you're hearing again and again and again? I, I. I am trying to get to God. What Jesus is, Jesus is God reaching down to you. God reaches down to you. Remember this verse? For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. Law is what I got to do. Love and faithfulness is from God. That's what God does for me. And that's the difference. I think Jesus was saying, hey, guess what? You guys are all about keeping laws and rules and stuff. There's something so much bigger here and better than your religious laws and religious routines. Temple, animals, the right kind of money. I'm going to show you what a real sacrifice is all about. It's going to be me. Washing your hands to be clean before God, guess what? Through unfailing love and faithfulness, I will show you how to become clean. I will move you from religious something like temples and sacrifices and clean hands. I will relieve you from the something and give you a someone, which is always better. See that? Now, we skipped a part. Now we skipped a part in the book of John, and when you read it, you'll see it's Jesus getting his disciples or his followers and, and, and some guys, and that would be, you know, John included, they see Jesus, and so they walk towards Jesus. And it says this, Jesus looked around and saw them following. What do you want? He asked them. Have you ever thought about that question? Have you ever thought about that question? What do you want? What do you want from Jesus? What do I want? So two more verses. It says this, the word became human and made his home among us he was full of unfailing love and faithfulness he was full of unfailing love and faithfulness I would want unfailing love I would want that no matter what I've done I would want unfailing faithfulness no matter what I've done and then it says this but to all who believed him and accepted him he gave the right to become children of God. Look at that. Become a child of God. I think that's what I would want. 
And that's who Jesus is. The one who, when we believe in him and accept, we become a child of God. It's pretty cool, huh? It's cool. And, and I guess I'd love to have you say, every person in this room say, today, today is the day I choose to believe and accept him. Today is the day. We had children um, on Thursday hear about that and say, I want Jesus to be my forever friend, my forever friend. I'm tired, maybe you're saying, of religion. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it, and God knows that. That's why you're here, because you're tired of it. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of rules, religiosity. I'm sick of it. That's why Jesus said grace, truth, unfailing love and faithfulness come through me. I'm going to invite you to take a moment, if you would, right now with me. And would you bow your head, close your eyes maybe, and give you a personal moment to spend personal time with a personal God. I guess the question would be um, Jesus asking you, who do you say that I am? Can, can you say back, you are my Savior? You are my Savior, not the Savior. You're my Savior. The only one I can trust on. My only hope, my only defense before God is going to be Jesus Christ. Can you say that? Whatever it takes, I would encourage you to say, Jesus, I, I want that for me. Cleanse me, forgive me, make me new, make me whole. I need grace and faithfulness. And so thank you. We're going to be taking the Lord's Supper right now. That's symbolic of this faith we have. This is not a religious routine we do. Jesus didn't say, do this and you'll get a few more brownie points in heaven. You know, good for you. What he's saying, Jesus said, is do this to remember me. Remember what I've already done for you. And so you're going to be invited to come and, and take. Take the cracker, a piece of bread, and the cup, and, and go back to your seat. Hold on to it, if you would. They are symbols, Jesus said. These are symbols of what I've done for you, what I've done for you. So as you're holding on to them, we're going to be singing a song, a song of worship, and just, just remember, remember and give thanks. Let's worship together, and when you're ready, feel free to come.